Bounce back central. Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in everybody to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey P, Joe Pizapia, and today we're going to take a look at 10 bounce back candidates for the 2023 season. That's right. Last year is not the end all be all for these guys, but we're going to tell you which names you want on your team to give a second chance. And we're also going to talk about some of the projection gems, some guys that might be a little undervalued when it comes to projections that we think have a bigger 2023 in store for them. And to help me do it, of course, is my partner, the Welsh, Chris Welsh. Follow him on the Twitter machine at is it the Welsh and Welsh. I like second chances. How about you? Yeah, third, fourth, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, give me all the chances you can get. Yeah, no, in baseball, I'm I'm definitely with it. Also think um you know, you can look at it a couple different ways. As we look at sleepers different ways, you know, the term sleeper can mean a lot of different things. Even bounce back candidates are not only second chances, but you know, you're looking at weird opportunities maybe lost by injury and stuff like that that can necessitate uh, the bounce back, if you will. So there's a lot of different ways to look at this, and I am here for it. It's actually probably my biggest struggle, Joe. Like I'm, I'm a sucker for a guy that has uh, performed really well especially when they've done it maybe even like two seasons and then just something weird or odd takes them off the table. I got a hard time quitting them, whether it's prospects or major leaguers. And there are definitely quite a few on this list and your list. I think I pretty much, let me, let me take a little glancey glance at the Joe <laughs> list here. Yeah, pretty much uh, agree with almost top. To, there's actually one I don't, but the there's a couple on there that I would have picked had you not but Joe got to the sheet first, folks. Well, the advantage of making the sheet is that you get to put all your stuff in the sheet first. But I'll say this, you know, it's always different reasons too. Sometimes it's injuries. Sometimes it's, you know, a guy, you know, signs a big contract, puts that onus upon themselves. Sometimes it's just circumstances beyond their control or, or the team starts jettisoning players around them. They lose line of protection. There's so many reasons why guys sometimes have down years, I mean, sometimes it's just personal things. They're actually people, everybody, believe it or not. No. So let's jump into some of these names. Let's talk about them. Let's start here with uh, my number one guy, which is Nick Castellanos. Um, to me, Castellanos is is the perfect suitor of what I just mentioned, which is, you know, first spot in the new city. We've seen this happen plenty of times in the past where I think when a player like Nick Castellanos, he's got such a good track record behind him that you, you're not really concerned about the kind of player he is. I think it's just a matter of, now that you know you can relax into this setting in Philadelphia, and I'll tell you what, without Bryce Harper for the first three plus months of the season, they're gonna need Cassianos, they're gonna need him, uh, to really kind of bounce back and be the guy he was. And if you look at some of the deeper numbers, they're still pretty good. I know last year was a huge disappointment in the power department, only 13 home runs. Uh, he did steal seven bags, which is not you know normally what you get out of him, but. You know, if you go back to the 2021 numbers where you had 34 home runs and drove in 100, I don't necessarily expect that. But I think you can get somebody closer to that 26, 100 or that 27, 90 kind of a player in Nick Castellanos. It's a favorable home run ballpark. I think it's just a matter of first year in a new place, pressing a lot. He's a very um, personality wise. I think Castellanos is a little wound up kind of a dude. I think we've seen that in the past in the Cincinnati days. So I think it was hard for him to kind of relax and settle in this year. I expect him to do that. And like I said, I think they're going to really need him. And he's looking right now. I mean, the ECR is 121. The ADP is 130 overall. He's coming at a pretty good price where outfield is rough. And a guy like Cassianos going as the 33rd outfielder overall. I think you could do a lot worse than that, Welsh. Yeah. You know, and and taking a look at him too, there's a lot of things that don't feel crazy off. It was a lot about hard hit. It was a lot about that. I mean, he was striking the ball at... um, 
quite a lower rate as far as career-wise than he usually is. Hard hit percentage was 34.6%, which was the second lowest of his career. And my point is like, that's an anomaly. You know, he right. has been in the 40% five straight seasons in there. Um, X slug was actually a little bit higher than his slug as far as expected goes. And most everything else kind of in line sat there, you know, launch angle, barrel percentage was a little bit lower, but you talk about pressing, that's kind of it. He's going to be really, really counted on this year, is going to be locked into that team a little bit more. You got Trey Turner, who might be hitting at the top of the lineup, which is probably going to also create some problems as far as defenses go and maybe more RBI opportunities. I really like the bounce back on Castellanos because he feels like, I feel like he gets lost in the shuffle of outfielders. Like you don't think about him, you don't look, and then all of a sudden you're like 115 and you're like, all right, I need a third outfielder or second outfielder. And you're like, oh, Castellanos is still there. He's a good buyback. All right, so who is the first guy you want to talk about in the bounce-back candidates for 23? So the bounce-back really has to do with the injury. Uh, when I was thinking about this, like I said, I thought you actually encapsulated on the majority of these are really good bounce-back guys that struggled maybe uh, out of weird performance things. This is one that this player was lining up to be what I think would have been one of the bigger statistical seasons. And the time taken away has kind of pushed him back at his position. And it's Jazz Chisholm. And I know that might feel weird. You're like, bounce back. Well, he's not. Imagine had he played the season. The guy was lining up to be a 30-20 player. And what do 30-20 players do? They go in the first round. Well, right. Jazz is not going in the first round. And he's not going in the second or third. He's going off as about the fourth um second baseman, if you will, across the board. And, you know, Jazz was really, he's always been like this big, crazy pull hitter. He was really starting to establish himself. Walk percentage went up by 2%. Strikeout percentage went down. Batting average was kind of like stabilizing. If he could be a 250 guy, projections still really like him. And the bat X has him as almost that 2030 guy, 21 homers, 29 stolen bases. So this is a little bit of a different situation where it's not necessarily about like one off year of performance, but that off time miss plus he's moving positions, which I think just has people weirded out about him going to uh, center field. I think jazz is prime for a bounce back off of the injury and is going to put up some big stats. And like I said, if he's a 2030 guy, that is first round. Like that's just what it is. I don't know what else to tell you guys. That's first round talent. That's why right. I'm so high on jazz. Yeah, uh, look, I think you drafted him yesterday, didn't you? Do you have Chisholm on your team? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I try. You did. I think you <laughs> I did. I want to say you did. Uh, if you missed that, go check it out. Justin Mason was uh, around yesterday for our first live stream draft. You can see it on the YouTube channel. Uh, and by the way, if you are watching us on YouTube, don't forget to drop a comment below because if you do, you have a chance to get upgraded for free to our premium Fantasy Bros product. If you don't want to wait, you can go to fantasybros.com slash premium and start playing smarter, not harder. And of course, you get access to the custom mock drafts, the salary cap tools, the analysis, everything at a much higher level, plus all of our draft tools that are in there and our seasonal right management here. tools as well. It's just phenomenal. So but again, make sure you drop the comment in the chat if you want to be uh get a chance to get a free upgrade too we're going to pick people out of there so be a subscriber and go drop a comment in the chat about that uh and welsh looking at the uh, next guy on my list is eddie rosario of the atlanta braves now rosario is going pretty late he is like in the 90s in the outfield range and i understand you know he'll probably play mostly against right-handed pitching but in those deeper leagues we're really looking for some help if the vision is right I'm not chasing the 32-109 season from 2019. I'm not doing that when it comes to Eddie Rosario. But what I am going to do with Eddie Rosario and say to myself, all right, is this guy healthy enough to give me 130 games or somewhere in that range? Because if he does, and if you look at some of those years that he posted with the Twins, 
we're looking at a 25 home run guy. And I think we're all searching for some late power. And Eddie Rosario could be one of these guys that I think that if you look at spring training, it doesn't mean a whole lot for a lot of people. But for guys like Eddie Rosario, it does. You want to see that he's healthy. You want to see that he's seeing the ball well. But you also want to see him have some early success because if you think if he does, there's a really good omen for the 2023 season. And he's basically a free player, Welsh. Yeah, yeah, okay, he is free. So this is the one that I don't like. I'm not with of your list. So the other sure. four, I buy three of them. I'm very, very staunch. Nick Castellanos was one. Actually, your last two, like 100%. When I knew the topic I was going to put on here and you'd already got to them. This is the one that I'm just not with, though he's free. And I try to make this case a whole lot because I feel like Sometimes in fantasy baseball, we all just get stuck in this circle where it's like everybody's got to talk about the furthest mm-hmm. down players and there's a problem with everybody and da, 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 da. And then people will pick on a guy that's like 260 and they're like, well, this guy is really going to be a bust. And it's like, it's hard to be a bust at that level. So I'm going to acknowledge that, that Eddie Rosario is free, which is nice. Free. My problem is, yeah, he's absolutely free. My problem is uh, strikeout rate went way up, contact rate way down. He looks like he's in a platoon right now with Marcelo right. Zuna. I know Zuna can play DH, but they also want Travis Darno. It was something they kind of promised when they brought in Sean Murphy. I just don't know if the playing time is consistent. And I'm worried about a player like this being able to have the opportunity to get hot. And I don't think that's there for him, but he's free. So the bounce Please. back is really easy. It, guess what? I'm going to break some news to you, of, Joe. Remember a couple of years ago when Mitch Hanniger was free? He was a free yeah. player with the power. He had that huge power spike season. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but I think the Braves really need some more help in the middle of that lineup right now. And I think he could be that kind of guy if he gets off to a good start in the spring. Like I said, spring is very important for Rosario. I want him to prove that the vision problems are corrected. I want him to prove that he's healthy. And look, I brought it up. I He's not going to play every single day. The fact they have the DH in the National League now helps his case sure. to being, uh, you know, getting more at-bats than you realize. But to your point, and my breaking news is it's not hard to bounce back off of five homers and three stolen bases in 80 games. It's actually pretty easy for him. Uh, The guy had 32 homers just a couple years ago, though he has not had more than 14 homers since 2020. It's still a pretty easy bounce back for a free player. Not my favorite of your picks here, but I really do understand the logic. That's fine. 2020 is only 57 games to be played because of COVID. Yeah. So 13 homers of 57 games. That ain't so bad, baby. That's a, you're right. That's a pretty good extrapolation nation. All right, let's get to your number two, who is the one guy I should have put on my list, but I didn't. Yeah, I was actually surprised about this because you were stealing all the good names here. Uh, this is one that really kind of qualifies more on the list of what you put together. Uh, there's only just so many that you can have. It's Eloy Jimenez, <laughs> Eloy, who has only played uh, hun- over 100 games once. That was his rookie year. That's been a big problem. In the short sample sizes, he's always putting up big stats. He's had double-digit homers uh, th- three straight years, where two of them he played 55 games apiece. Health is always a big issue. Uh, I saw him at camp uh, about uh, five days ago or so. Looked a little bit like skinnier, like maybe a little bit of weight loss, which is probably okay. a good thing. Uh, strikeout percentage was down this past year. It's really about health because last year he still had a career high average exit velocity. He was up in the top 10% of max EV. He had a X slug, which was over 500. So that's still maintaining and a 365 X Woba with a 370 Woba. All of that stuff is just telling you with a 54% hard hit rate, he makes a lot of contact and he's gonna barrel up the ball a bunch. And he's got great raw power. Guy hit 295 last year and two of his four seasons, he has hit 295 or better. And I think, we could all see a situation where Eloy Jimenez can get going. We just all know that the team really needs to make a commitment 
to keeping him at DH. And I don't know if mm-hmm. they are going to be fully committed to that. Plus, the other thing that's a little bit worrisome with them is they're just all their guys are injured. Like, even if they were like, okay, guys, you know, they sit around a table and they're like, we're going to do this. We are going to get Eloy at DH, Robert, Benintendi, and then Colos. We're going to put you in the outfield. Robert's not the pillar of health. And uh, I don't know if you necessarily say that about Benintendi as well, that they might be put into situations where they feel they need to get him out there. If we can get him to yeah. DH and we can keep him healthy, Eloy Jimenez will get back. Projections over 130 games vary from 25 essentially to 30 home runs. I think he's going to put up 30 homers this year if he plays 125 games, make a ton of contact, and those run and RBI totals would be great. He's a good, good, good five-category player. He just comes with some risk, and that's why we can get a bounce back because he's teetered, Joe. Teetered. Mm-hmm. And by the way, did you know this is a fascinating fact? I had no idea. Do you know Eloy Jimenez has zero career steals? I had no idea about that. He has never stolen a base in his career. Um, he is becoming, I think, the outfield version of Carlos Correa, where it's just like he never actually lives up to the potential that we're Ooh, putting on him. And that makes me sad. He, I don't want to put that on him yet, but you're you might not be off. Um Look, I, I think Jimenez is going to play more games than that this year. Um, I think the White Sox are going to need him to uh, to justify their investment in him as well. I mean, let's he's one of these guys that they made the early investment in along with Robert. And I think when you do that, you guys are looking at these guys and saying, hey, you know, Jose Bray's not here anymore. You guys have to carry this offense and be the guys. So whether it be a rotation in the outfield, as you're saying, you don't want to get these guys in the outfield too much. Benintendi's a much better defender, obviously. Coloss as well. So, look, you're 100% right. DH is where he should be. And if he just has a healthy enough season to even get to 140-something games, that would be, I think, very eye-opening. And I think he comes at a good enough value uh, to do that. Let's take a quick break in the action to tell you about Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience of your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy baseball commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your drafts this season. And the top dynasty fantasy baseball platform in the industry is Fantrax. It's not even close. Go deeper with the ultimate keeper and dynasty leagues. Create a simple redraft league or even a customizable best ball league with up to 2,000 teams. If you're coming from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize as needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Among the most trusted names in fantasy sports since 2008, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, college basketball, college football, golf, soccer, NASCAR, you name it, they've got it. And if there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league manager, Fantrax likely has that too. Fantasy sports doesn't sleep and neither does Fantrax with seasons running 365 days a year. There's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantrax make it their permanent home for all their fantasy leagues. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official signed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. jersey by simply going to Fantrax.com slash fantasy pros and signing up today. That's Fantrax.com slash fantasy pros for your chance to win that official signed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. jersey. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. And now back to the action. Next guy on my list is Jesse Winker. And uh, that's right. Jesse Winker season last year was pretty awful. I saw him was today. Pretty awful. Did you say hello? Did you say hello to him for me? I said for you. I said, hey, Joe yeah. says hello. And he was like, man, thank you so much, Joe. Man, you know, I'm so glad he likes me now. Last year, I didn't like him. So he's probably pissed off at me still. Uh, it was just the ADP was way too high. And, and the reason why, you know, he's a career, you know, if you look at his career 
batting average against left-handed pitching. Okay. And, and not even like the breakout year because the breakout year, he was still bad against lefties. Okay. He was just monumentally good against right-handed pitching. He's still a 205 career hitter against left-handed pitching for his career with a 661 OPS. He's terrible. He is practically a platoon player, but he is coming at a discount this year. He is on the good side here being the left-handed bat where he's going to face a lot more right-handed pitching. He's going to be out there in good spots. And because he's in a favorable home run ballpark, I think this is a player that you can look for some sort of moderate bounce back. I have zero expectations for him to get to the guy who, you know, to hit 305 with those kind of splits in your career is not something you're likely going to do. But can you get to that 280 mark? Can you give me 20 home runs or even 18 home runs? I think there'll be a pretty good situation there for Jesse Winker. I like the Brewers this year. I have money on them already to win the division. I think that Jesse Winker this year is a much better let's invest and find out player because last year you were paying for what you got, which was an all-star caliber player going into 2022. And I just did not think he was that. So to me, it's just now all about the guy is at the right price point. And at 231 overall, it's a decent investment. Once again, not going to cost me much to be wrong. Yeah. He seemed, uh, this is like a totally weird anecdotal thing, but seemed in really good spirits today. I actually couldn't find him. So all the other players at Brewers camp and was focused on William Contreras and Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez. I got a little bit of video of, and then Winker just popped out and I've never, and I was around him with the Mariners last year and brooding would be a description I would give to you. His well, mentality. You know, I think it's tough. You know, player spends his whole life with an organization and you get traded. I think sometimes guys take it personally with a chip on their shoulder and some guys maybe powder, you don't have issues with it. And, well, you know, going there are the from- issues with the Mariners, the Mariners in general, that w- it, this has been off discussed where I, I think, you know, uh, our friend, Eno Saris had talked about it, that he talked to Winker and like the, there was a very close knit group with the Mariners. A lot of guys that came up together and Winker was a little on bit the on the outside looking in. Looking in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then he comes over here. He was in great spirits today working with, I believe it's Pat Murphy, former ASU baseball coach that was out here. And uh, the happiest I've seen him, not that that necessarily means anything, but what I would say is a comfortability level is something that you really can right. consider. And this Brewers the team is he's comfortable with too. The Brewers, the Brewers are stacked, team is sneaky. Bro. They're sneaky. That, they're super listen, sneaky. I don't even think they're sneaky. They're stacked. It's all about the pitching staff health. If they can get that pitching healthy, they're in a really good spot. All right, let's go yeah. to the next guy on your list for a bounce back candidate. Welsh, who you got? Well, um, if you guys get on your internet or your phone and click on over to Amazon and you typed in the Fantasy Black Book 2023 <laughs> by Joe Pizapia, you could pick that up and you would know that uh, um, I wrote quite a bit of infield profiles, all of them, uh, first base, second. So I'm going to read you a couple things that I had put about Jose Abreu because I think the obvious thing here is you're going into what is essentially a better hitting environment with incredible players around you. Jose Abreu coming off 15 homers, 85 runs, 75 RBIs. Not good. Those are not good first base stats whatsoever. Uh, In the Fantasy Black Book, which I wrote about him, and this is a lot of like kind of anecdotal stuff for you to kind of understand the player that he, he was last year. ISO had dropped from 300 in 2020 down to 141. That's a dramatic drop. Almost not believable. That power decrease uh, was also highlighted by the career low launch angle. And the first time he had a home run to fly ball ratio that was under 10%. It was 9.6. What's interesting, though, is he registered as a top 10 percentile in exit velocity and X slug. Based on, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, he'd also finished in the top five percentile in XBA, XWOBA, and hard hit percentage. All of those at the position. 
a fun, fun little thing was based on expected home runs in different ballparks. Abreu would have hit 20 homers with eight different teams compared to his 15. And if he was a Cincinnati ready, he would have went 28. So coming back to it, it's just a better hitter friendly environment for a contact hitter. That's going to be hitting around Tucker Alvarez Altuve. I think the homers are going to tick back up. I think projections kind of agree with that. I think the batting average is going to be up there. I think the RBI opportunities are going to be phenomenal. I think we're getting back to him being a three and a half to maybe high four category player. And he was being way undersold early on. He's coming back up. I just took him in tout. Uh, I'm prioritizing a guy like him. And I think he's going to have a big bounce back at that position where he just didn't, you can't have 15 homers full-time starting as a first baseman. I don't care what other numbers you put up, unless you put up 120 runs and 120 RBI, that won't work. And this is a great opportunity for him to bounce back. And I've also talked about how I kind of want him over Vinny Pasquantino right now. So uh, Jose Abreu, that's my guy. I would agree with that. I want him over Pasquantino too. The track record is just way longer for Jose Abreu. And you mentioned the lineup is great too. Although I'm concerned about Alvarez with that hand thing. Hopefully it's not a handmade bone or something like that. I'm just kind of holding my breath on the hand issue he's been dealing with in the last day or so. So hopefully everything will be fine. And hopefully everything is fine in your drafts too. But if you're worried about your drafts, don't forget, we could be there with you. The draft assistant is the ultimate tool for dominating your fantasy baseball draft. So we have the most powerful set of tools here for your league's draft, and it gives you real-time recommendations, expert advice. You can make cheat sheets up with Welsh, myself, a combination of us, or a combination of all of your favorite rankers of fantasy pros. And we have that available for our MVP and Hall of Fame subscribers. They can try it now at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. So the draft assistant, like I said, if you're doing multiple drafts, it's fantastic. It's like having us in the draft with you. The insights, you've seen it. Whenever we're doing the drafts here live on the show, you see the insights, you see what's going on, and we talk about them. And, you know, when you reach, when you get a steel player, when other guys were drafting after you or gals drafting after you have certain positions locked up and you shouldn't be chasing them. That's the stuff you need when you only have a minute to make the decision. So once again, check it out, fantasypros.com slash premium. And then, of course, check out the Draft Wizard, fantasypros.com slash Draft Wizard, or just download the app. The app is easy. Go do the app. All right, next guy on my list, pivoting to a guy, second base slash outfield, it's Cattell Marte. Now, last year, 240 batting average. Things kind of really fell apart. But I also think this team around him was just not very good last year. I think when you're looking this year, you're seeing some signs of life. When it comes to the D-backs a little bit, I'm, a you know, Welsh has really been the guy pushing for Corbin Carroll, and I am 100% on board with him. I am very aggressive. I've got a whole TV segment on Sunday on Sports Grid lined up about him because I really think he's going to be a huge draft value this year. And I'm looking at Marte, and I'm looking at this team. I think it's going to be a little bit better. And I think if you look at the historic Cattell Marte batting average, 240 is not where he's going to be. That's going to come back up. Even if he just gets back to the... 15, 16 home run range, that's fine. But if the team is better around him, the counting stats get better. The RBI total, the run totals, all that is better when the offense improves around him. Forget the 2019 incredible, oh my God, 32 home run campaign. Forget that. Stop chasing that. But if you're looking at a player right around the 280p mark with multiple eligibility at a position that frankly is kind of rough. I mean, he's going after Jonathan India and India has never had a season quite like Marte. He's going after Brennan Drury, who's coming off a one year wonder season. You know, he's he's going after Jeff McNeil, who has never come close to the power that Cattell Marte has shown in a full season. So I'm not chasing the high point of Marte, but I definitely think there's a bounce back in him. And I think it's also attuned to the Diamondbacks starting to make some improvements around him. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree. Actually, it was at Diamondbacks camp two days ago, and I got to see Cattell. Actually, it freaked me out. Cattell hit a ball off of his foot and limped off and sat in the dugout and then shook it off and got back out there. One thing that was super noticeable was he has um, thinned out. He look, He's looked very big in years past. I'm just speculating, and maybe I hadn't seen him in a long time. He looked noticeably thinner, maybe by around 10 pounds. And something I wonder was, um, had he built up a lot of bulk because he was trying to be more of a power hitter? I kind of think that's gone. I think he might have scrapped that because, like I said, it is noticeably thinner in person. And I feel like that is going to be back to maybe more of a contact approach, which is what he needs. He has to stop... That guy swings through his shoes when he is just trying to make good contact. He'll run into some homers, but we'll take all day long if we can get back to 300 hitter Cattell with only 15 homers because the run and RBI totals are there. And you said it best, having better players around to put not only like in better scoring opportunities for runs and RBI, but also put pressure on the other team to maybe have to approach Cattell a little bit different. So I'm very much with this. I try not to be a homer and be like, Oh, all the diamondbacks. But like, if I'm buying back on guys, like I'm buying hard on Corbin Carroll. And I really do like the idea of just the dirt cheap Cattell Marte right now. This is one that I would have picked. And it is I don't know, I was just too. encouraged by him kind of physically changing a little bit. Cause I I'm assuming, and I'm projecting a little bit, I saw a tiny bit of it in uh, his batting practice. I'm assuming that body change is maybe going to be also coming with a stylistic change, which hopefully is not trying to hit. Look, get back to homers. contact, get back to driving the baseball. Good things happen then. Now, the next guy on your list, four out of your five are four of my favorite guys this year. But this next one, this is the one where I need convincing because I am not there when it comes to Max Muncy. So go ahead and make the case because last year was rough and I'm just a little concerned that maybe we've seen the best of him because he is a player that sort of crept up and came out of nowhere. And when those guys sort of fall off a map, I get a little kind of wishy-washy when it comes to their value the previous year, or I should I say under- this year. Yeah, I can understand that. And I shy away probably more than anything from like these, um, these like really low contact, like even Kyle Schwarber kind of bothers me a little bit, like really oh, low batting average guys. I yeah. am not chasing Kyle Schwarber's 2022. There's a weird thing that goes on with Max Muncy. You've noticed where like he has an on off year. It's almost, it's almost clockwork. But if you look over the last five years, three of those, he's hit essentially 250 or better. Uh, The home run totals have been out there. The ISO sticks. He's, he struck out a little bit more this year, but that's not necessarily his norm. Baseball savant page is pretty red outside of XBA. The the discouraging thing was he didn't have like a expected batting average that improved. And no, it was, it was barely improved. It was like actually in the bottom 5% of the league, but his batting average was so stinky. It was a little bit better. Uh, his walk percentage though, near the top of the league, I think based on like what we've seen in the past, he kind of bounces back off of batting average. It was also the third lowest BABIP of his career guy doesn't have a high BABIP at all. It's usually around like 250. I think it's a career 256. It was 227. That's not necessarily sustainable. Um, I also believe the approach of the Dodgers might be a little bit different this year. A lot of guys trying to get on base. You got Miguel Vargas. And I think I don't want to call it manufacturing runs because you still got Freddie Freeman and, um, and Mookie Betts, so that doesn't necessarily change. But Max Muncy has shown this before. The BABIP was a tiny bit too low to believe. There's tons and tons of hard hit overall in his game. And he technically did improve in the second half. First half, he hit 164. Second half, he hit 230. A 230 Max Muncy 
is worth inside the top 100 easy because he's probably going to push 30 homers. RBI totals are going to be better. And he qualifies at a couple positions. I think this is an opportunity for Max Muncy to bounce back because he's also done this like kind of time in and time out. This is what he does. This mm-hmm. is this is his other year right now. I hope so. But the injuries that he had going into last year scares me a bit. And, and I'll tell you what, Welsh, uh, I want to take Max Muncy because if you look at third base, it's rough. Like the spots where he qualifies, the corner spots where you want him. I mean, it is rough out there right now. And you want yeah. him in one of those spots. But I just can't take the leap. I even took Matt Chapman over him yesterday just because I just can't get there. Uh, Now, the one guy I can't get there with, my last guy on the list is Wander Franco. Uh, Wander Franco, everybody knows, listen to the show last year. I was a big Wander Franco guy. He was going, what, like second round, late second round last year? You know, early third, somewhere in that range. He is just 22 years old, guys. Last year was an injury plague season. It wasn't good. Forget it. Wrap it up. Throw it away. Forget it happened because – Wander Franco in his minor league career, 224 games, a 335 batting average with a 402 OBP and a 537 slug, 939 OPS. This is an elite bat. Okay. Yes, I said elite. When you get guys in that 345 slash, that's an elite player. There's not a lot of guys that can hit for a high average with a high on base and also give you the power. And I think the power is going to come. I keep saying that about Wander Franco. Frame-wise, he's a strong guy. The lower half is strong. His power is going to come. Just like when people told me that Francisco Lindor is never going to hit for power, and I said, you're crazy. Let me tell you, this guy's going to hit for power. It's not the greatest ballpark, unfortunately. I understand. But also, having some health around him, Brandon Lau being back healthy, that also helps. I, like, I'd like to see them surround him with a little bit more. But Wander Franco is just too good, too young to give up on. And I just absolutely love. I mean, he is in the 86 spot. He was a top 25 player last year. He's at 86 overall in ADP. That's nuts to me. I would have picked him. I would have picked him probably as my top guy here with the caveat that like, I don't know if he's going to become Francisco Lindor or anything like that. No, but-, but the caveat is I know he's not the Roto darling player because he doesn't, he's not a high power, high speed combination necessarily guy, at least not now in his career. But if you're in points leagues, I'm telling you right now, this guy is just a pure oh, hitter. Yeah. Just go be aggressive on him. But I still think in category leagues, he can bounce back. I think this is just a prime. This is um, this is one of the bet on the skill set guys. And yeah. the skill set is the so high for one. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the same thing where people call their shots on a 21-year-old and being like, he's done or he's the greatest player. <laughs> the, the developmental process is not linear. Wander Franco has not... I don't even know if he's really had enough of a sample size to truly understand who he was. And I've kind of come back to uh, what we talked about earlier uh, in some episodes that like that first month he was lining up to be like a 25, 20 guy. And then the injury took him back. Mm-hmm. He's got some contact issues where he can hit it on the ground and hit across his body. He's got the windmill kind of swing that I think it stabilizes him. But like, I just don't think it's crazy to think that he could be 2015 or 18, you know, 18, 15 with, or 18, 10, even with a really high batting average, really good runs. I don't know about the RBIs with uh, the Rays overall, but I don't think he bounces back to elite, but I really do think he bounces back because he's becoming a major afterthought after being one of the most uh, hyped prospects in the game. And I I really think he's going to find himself this year. All right, Welsh, give us the last guy on your list. And this is a guy that I've been taking a lot of shares of as well. 
Yeah, we're probably going to talk about him here in a little bit. Uh, I was actually surprised when I was looking at this list. I was like, are we doing all hitters? Uh, because we didn't have a pitchers, and I thought a pitcher came in here. That's okay. Uh, in my undervalued gems, I got a bunch of pitchers. I made up for lost You time, do. Yeah, I so. think you have all pitchers. Yeah. I went with Lucas Giolito, and I'm, I'm not going to cite off like a gajillion things because we've talked about it multiple times, but it's a it's a lost year for me uh, with him. Injuries, he bulked up crazy last season. Did you see the side-by-side like, -side picture? I think uh, it was... It was I'm trying to remember who tweeted it out as the guy from the White Sox. It was crazy. I know who you're talking about. It's like yeah. he lost 45 pounds, I think it was, because he had bulked up last year at around 280. Because he's a large human being, six foot seven, um, to be Jay more Kuda. powerful. Jay Kuda tweeted it. And with that, that weight gain he had last year, the positive weight gain, he was pitching inside his body and he's moved that off and he lost a whole bunch of weight. And he's also went to driveline and re kind of developed the way he throws. And I think that's enough for me to go back on what was, I think, a, a perennial Cy Young type of guy. I'm willing to buy back in on it. So really, my argument for this is. He was so bad last year with so many oddities of the weight and the way he pitched that he changed and injuries. And all of that is kind of beside him. I think this is a great opportunity to mm -hmm. buy back on the historical data of Lucas Giolito, who is trending in a great direction. And I'm going to do that. And I, uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to draft him pretty much wherever I can. And on that note, one of my undervalued projected gems is Lucas Giolito. So right off the bat, that's one of my guys. And that's because I think people have been way too harsh on the down year. Look at the previous two seasons of this guy. It's, it's crazy to think that a player could be so good so consistently for two to three years. And he has a down year where he, whatever, maybe he was out of shape. Maybe he just came in heavier, whatever that is. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to live in that bad season because you have a situation where he has been good before. Uh, he's going at pitcher 46 right now. That's crazy. Uh, if you look back a couple of years ago, we're looking at guys striking out 228 guys in the shortened season in 2020, struck out 97 guys in 72 innings with a 3-4 ERA and a 3.5 ERA in 2021, struck out 200 guys. Enough is enough, everybody. So Lucas Giolito is definitely one of my three pitchers. The other one uh, that I want to talk about, Kodai Senga. Again, I'm looking at the projections on him, and I'm looking at the buzz early from camp. What is I the just projection on him? Enough. Do you have it? Do you read well, it? The bat let's, let's... right now, I do have it. Welsh, the bat wow. has him at a 4.62 ERA over 25 starts and a 140 strikeout. I don't. I think it's going to be way more than that. ATC's yeah, got 158 Ks over 148 innings. Uh, some other ones like Steamer, a little bit more aggressive. Steamer's got him at 3.72 ERA, 156 innings, 177 strikeouts. Uh, to me, I think you're looking at a guy much closer to this 180 threshold and probably closer to this 27 starts kind of. Around. I think they're going to push him because it seems like that's where the Mets are. And when you have the age and the rotation, the Mets do, you might not have a choice, unfortunately. So for better or worse, maybe it hurts his ERA on the back end a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, you're going to get more win potential out of him. The bullpen's very good. I mean, most of the projection sites have him for somewhere around 10, 11 wins. Welsh, I think, especially if he gets off to a hot start, I could see him being one of these guys that's like six and one out of the gate because he is just so fresh and new and the arsenal of pitches he has, where it's kind of like when you Darvish came in the league. I'm not saying he's you Darvish, but when you Darvish came in the league, he was just people were like, I can't even pick up the ball. They have no idea what's going on. It took a while to adjust. So Senga, Giolito, and the other guy for me, Welsh, that's undervalued in projections right now is Hunter Brown of the Houston Astros. And it's the same mm -hmm. reasoning I had last year with Christian Javier. Really like this one. I think the dude's just going to get more starts. He's just going to get more opportunities. He's already got the goods. He just needs the opportunity. And with Lance McCullers already dealing with an elbow issue, 
there's a chance not only does he break camp as the starter, but even if they go out and they get a veteran, I mean, last year they got Odorizzi and everybody dropped Christian Javier everywhere. Do you remember that? Remember when that happened? And we said on the show, go pick him up. If he got dropped, go pick up Christian Javier. It doesn't matter. Eventually the better arms went out. Brown qualifies at SP and RP. I think Brown, Gilito, and Senga right now, The the uh, all the projections are not savvy enough to, I think, what the high end for these guys are in terms of innings in terms of talent and i think right now they're they're underperforming in adp because of it well so who are the three guys for you that you're looking at that are undervalued when it comes to projections so far this year yeah and uh i think it's actually kind of all of them you can check out uh, if you guys go over to fantasypros.com you can check out projections that are on the site if you want to peruse all of that and i was kind of going through there and a couple stood out to me and it wasn't even necessarily like fantasy pros versus let's say the bat X, it was just kind of all of them. Uh, the first one was Christian Walker who Christian Walker's coming off a 36 home run season, worst BABIP in baseball in the first half, had a phenomenal second half where he hit 280. So come back to the median line where he hits 250. And I, what I don't understand is all of the projection sites on the lower home run totals, significant home run total decreases do not make sense to me whatsoever, especially if he's going to be a better contact hitter. Fantasy pros projections got him at 27 homers. The bat X only at 24. If I'm telling you right now, if Christian Walker hits 250, he's hitting 30 plus homers. This isn't an argument. So I don't know mm-hmm. what we're doing here. Uh, number two on it. The fantasy pros projection stood out to me like a sore thumb was Jose Miranda. Jose Miranda was projected like at too. 18 homers on uh, Fantasy Pro. So really, if you're going through there, this is a guy that moves through as far as projections go. 266 batting average with 18 homers. If you come over and look at the others, the bat X, only 15 homers. What are we What are we talking about here? I think this is a 20 home run plus guy. I've talked about Agreed. the amount of contact he makes in general. Um, he steals bases as well. No projection system. They have him at one stolen base too. Um, um, I, I mean, he steals a little bit. He's still in 2021. I think I always make that into a big thing. I think he can steal a little bit more. I know the power can be there and none of the projection sites have uh, anything on him. And the other one was George Kirby. George Kirby was another one of those that stood out. Um, let me see if I can remember this. I was looking at Kirby's numbers and Kirby's numbers as far as projections go on here, were actually relative to some guys that were, um, God dang, they were they were a little bit higher because he's only at 140. Now, I, I should have written this down and I didn't write it down. So this is killing me uh, because I had a really good one. But George Kirby's projected 147 innings this coming season with um, he's strikeout numbers last year. That would take I don't, an injury for him to get to that number. I don't understand it with nine wins, nine wins, seven losses in Seattle in 147 innings here. And, you know, for perspective, like Tyler glass now is projected for 133. Um, it's going to kill me for the rest of my life. No, let me tell you, was, you're but either way, right. George that Kirby inning total guy. on Kirby is way too low. It's, it's crazy. It's way too low. It should not be the case. So Walker, Miranda, Kirby, Senga, Giolito, Brown. Those are guys right now. The projections haven't quite caught up to our expectations for 2023. And of course, if you've got more expectations, make sure you're with us all the time. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel, Fantasy Pros MLB. Drop a comment below. And let us know who some of the guys that you are in on this year as the comeback candidates. I want to hear from you. Drop your candidates down there in the chat in the YouTube column right now. 
And of course, don't forget, head over to fantasypros.com slash draft wizard or just download the app. Check out the draft assistant with sync and go premium today at fantasypros.com slash premium. I want to thank the sponsor of today's show, and that's Fantrax. Head over to Fantrax.com slash Fantasy Pros today. Start a new league or move your old leagues over to Fantrax, the best place to play fantasy baseball. And when you do, you could win a signed Vladdy Jr. jersey only at Fantrax.com slash Fantasy Pros. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on for the Welsh. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids.